is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports on this beautiful Thursday, January the 19th. In the house with your boy Trey Larkins from the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. It is NFL Divisional Round Playoff Weekend. This is my NFL Divisional Playoff Preview on Wise Guys Sports. We got an action jam-packed show. So many Big-time matchups in the NFL this weekend. It's the best weekend in the NFL. So, division around weekend, Cowboys, 49ers, two teams that have a lot of history facing off against each other in the playoffs, dating back to the 90s. And then also on Sunday, the matchup that we all, all wanted to see before tragic circumstances took place at Pecar Stadium, we get Bengals, we get Bills, it's Burrow, it's Allen for a right to go to the AFC Championship. Cannot wait for that game Sunday. And also, Saturday night, it's an NFC East matchup between the Giants, between the Eagles. It's Daniel Jones, it's Jalen Hurts, it's Brian Dayball, it's Nick Sirianni. So, some great football this weekend on Divisional round playoff weekend in the NFL. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. If you have any particular topics that you want to discuss on tonight's show, call to the show. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Which matchup this weekend are you looking forward to the most? Which one is it? Got some big-time matchups in the NFL. We begin in the AFC. It's a matchup between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's Trevor Lawrence. It's Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are favored by nine points. It's a 4.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday on NBC. The over-under for this game is 52.5 points. So as I look at this matchup, these two teams, faced off against each other earlier in the season. The Chiefs beat the Jaguars in Week 10, 27-17. In that game, Trevor Lawrence went 29-40. He threw for 259 passing yards, two touchdowns. Christian Kirk had nine receptions, one five receiving yards, two touchdowns. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, he went 26-35. of 35. He threw for 331 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception. So as I look at this matchup between the Jaguars and the Chiefs, let's start off with the Jaguars. Because I believe at this point, the Jacksonville Jaguars, ladies and gentlemen, they are playing with house money. And I heard Doug Peterson talk about this in his press conference this week because no one expected the Jacksonville Jaguars to be where they currently are. I mean, throughout the season, they were battling with the Tennessee Titans. It took a defensive score at the end of the game 
against the Tennessee Titans at home for the right to win the AFC South crown. They won that game. And then on wildcard weekend, last week in Jacksonville against the Chargers, Chargers go up 27-0. to zero. Trevor Lawrence was struggling in that game, and everyone counted the Jaguars out. And the Jaguars came back, and they played a sensational second half. And honestly, in this matchup against the Chiefs, the Jaguars are playing with house money because they have already overachieved this season. They've already overachieved. And Trevor Lawrence has already elevated his game and progressed from his rookie season to his sophomore season. This year, Trevor Lawrence, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 4,113 passing yards. He completed 66% of his passes. Trevor Lawrence made tremendous strides from his rookie season to his sophomore season. And that's because of the leadership of Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, alongside Brian Dayball, should be in the conversation for NFL Coach of the Year honors. Because Doug Peterson, as a head coach, he is 51 and 45 and 1. He's won 53% of his games. The man is 5 and 2 in the postseason. So he's won 71% of his games, including a Super Bowl run with Nick Foles. And in that Super Bowl, the Eagles were the underdogs in that game. Nick Foles going up against Tom Brady, Doug Peterson going up against Bill Belichick, and the Philadelphia Eagles, they showed up and they played with house money like the underdogs that they were in that game. And they upset the New England Patriots in that Super Bowl. And this is the same circumstance here. I expect the Jaguars to play loose, and the Chiefs are the favorites in this game. They've been to four consecutive AFC Championship games. Patrick Mahomes is 4-0 in the divisional round, and he's won an NFL MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. So the Chiefs are going to be playing tight, and the Jaguars are going to be playing loose. Also, I expect the Jaguars, once they are in Chiefs territory, I expect the Jaguars to go for it on fourth down a lot in this game. Because when you're playing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in Arrowhead, in that building, you can't beat the Kansas City Chiefs kicking field goals. You've got to score touchdowns. And that's what it's going to take for the Jaguars to pull off the upset. They got to score touchdowns, not settle for field goals. I look at what Trevor Lawrence did in the second half against the, the Chargers. This is drive by drive. In Trevor Lawrence's first seven drives against the Chargers last week, he went 5 of 18. He averaged 1.9 yards per pass play. Zero touchdowns, four interceptions. His passer rating was zero. In his last five drives, Trevor Lawrence went 23 of 29, 8.7 yards per pass attempt, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. His passer rating was 142.6. So he was sensational in the second half 
of that football game and on the last five drives. He had to play perfect for the Jaguars to have a chance, and he did just that. He did just that, and he gave them a chance to beat the Chargers in the second half, and the Chargers, they were the Chargers, and they gave them an opportunity with their terrible play calling. But I thought last week what helped Trevor Lawrence was also his receivers. And I believe this Jaguars receiving core is very, very underrated. You got Christian Kirk. Last week against the Chargers, Christian Kirk had eight receptions, 78 receiving yards, one touchdown. The tight end for the Jaguars, Evan Ingram, he had seven receptions, 93 receiving yards, one touchdown. Zay Jones, eight receptions, 74 receiving yards, one touchdown. And Marvin Jones had three receptions, 29 receiving yards, one touchdown. So I thought that the Jaguars receiving core helped Trevor Lawrence out significantly in this comeback last week against the Chargers. They helped him a lot. And I think their receiving core is very, very underrated. And Trevor Lawrence, now that he's at this point in the playoffs, he's going to get an opportunity to see how you have to play above expectations once you, at this point in the season. The rest of the quarterbacks that are remaining all have expectations. Joe Burrow has expectations with the Bengals. Josh Allen has expectations with the Bills. And we know Patrick Mahomes has expectations with the Chiefs. Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday. So, ironically, this game is going to be played Saturday afternoon in Kansas City. Now, when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, we know how great Patrick Mahomes is. Patrick Mahomes, this is his stats in the postseason. Patrick Mahomes, 8-3. He has 28 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 381 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes in the playoffs. So we know that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback remaining in the Elite Eight. He's the best quarterback left. He is the quarterback that is, when it comes to his trajectory, the man is headed to the Hall of Fame. And more than likely, here in a few weeks, he's going to win his second NFL MVP award of his career. But I think what's going to be key as well for the Chiefs is going to be Travis Kelsey. We know Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. And I want to see if that Jaguars defense how are they going to attack this Chiefs offense? How are they going to tackle? Because, you know, Travis Kelsey is their best weapon offensively. He's their best weapon overall. And you know Andy Reid is the, a tremendous play caller. Tremendous play caller for this football team. But I'm looking forward to this matchup with, this, with the Chiefs offense versus the Jaguars defense. You look at the Chiefs offensively. They're first in total yards per game. They average 425 total yards per game. They are first in passing yards per game. They average 298 passing yards per game. They average 29 points per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. Defensively, the Jaguars, they're not very good. They give up 365 total yards per game. That's ranked 23rd in the NFL. They give up 239 passing yards per game. That's ranked 28th in the NFL. That plays right into the hands of Patrick Mahomes. 
and they give up 43% of their third down plays defensively. That's ranked 29th in the NFL, so that's not very good. So that Jaguars defense, in order for them to have a chance, they're going to have to force one or two turnovers in this game. Now, here's the thing. In their Week 10 matchup, the Jaguars won the turnover battle. They won the turnover battle 3-0 to zero and still lost the game 27-17. to 17. If the Jaguars want to have a chance, defensively, they have to force a turnover. That's their only chance. Offensively, they're going to have to score touchdowns and not kick field goals in the red zone because I believe that, Tra- that, that Trevor Lawrence can move the football on this Chiefs defense. Defensive coordinator Steve Bagnola for the Chiefs, I've never believed in his defensive football team. That Chiefs defense is not, it's not very good. I think it's bottom half in a lot of major statistical categories. And we know that their best defensive player is Chris Jones. That's another thing the Jaguars are going to have to do. They're going to have to protect Trevor Lawrence because Chris Jones is the best defensive player on the field for the Chiefs. But I believe that the, the, the Jaguars offensively can definitely have some success during the football because against the pass, the Chiefs are ranked 18th in the NFL. So they give up close to 221 passing yards per game. I think Trevor Lawrence could definitely have some success against that defense. Travis Etienne, their running back, I, he's playing in some big games alongside Trevor Lawrence, dating back to their days at Clemson. For the season, 220 carries, 1,125 passing yards. He's going to be key as well. They got to run the football. But Jaguars playing with house money. Doug Peterson knows Andy Reid very well. Doug Peterson coached under Andy Reid. Doug Peterson also was a backup quarterback to Brett Favre at one point in his career. So Doug Peterson, he knows a lot when it comes to playing in playoff games and he knows what it takes and he doesn't get flustered. That's what I love about Dougie P. But overall, I believe that the Chiefs are a better football team than the Jaguars are. And the Jaguars had a tremendous season. They they definitely have a lot to build off of heading into next season, but their season will be officially over around 730, 745 p.m. Saturday night. I'm rolling with the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Jaguars in Kansas City. I'm going Chiefs 35, Jaguars 24. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss the matchup in the NFC East between the Giants and the Eagles on Fox on Saturday night. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter. At Wise Guys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call on to the show, 513 203 8655. 513 203 
any particular topics that you want to discuss, we could talk about it tonight. Any particular matchup that you're looking forward to the most on this division around playoff weekend, we, we can definitely talk about it. This is an exciting time of year for the NFL and NFL fans. I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than this. Um, it's the Elite Eight, the best eight teams remaining in the NFL playoffs. You've got to love this time of year. But a little later on in the show, I'm going to have NFL writer from SB Nation, Mark Schofield, on the show. So we're going, we're, we're going to get into the, the NFL playoffs. I'm going to ask him about his most exciting matchup and what he expects for the playoffs in the division round of the playoffs this year. But let's transition to the NFC East. It's a matchup on Saturday night. It's Daniel Jones. It's Jalen Hurts. It's the Giants. It's the Eagles. The Eagles are favored by seven and a half points. It's an 8.15 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The over-under for this game is 48 and a half points. It's Brian Dayball versus Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field. Let's break down this matchup as these two teams obviously are very, very, very familiar with one another with their battles in the NFC East. They played back in week 14 in New York. The Eagles beat the Giants 48 to 22 in that game. Jalen Hurts was balling at the time. He went 21 of 31. He threw for 217 passing yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions for the Giants. Daniel Jones, he went 18 of 27. He threw for 169 passing yards, one touchdown. Eagles were up 24 to 7 at the half. The Eagles outscored the Giants 24 to 15 in the second half. And the Eagles were flying on in high in high regard. And it was fly, Eagles fly at that time. And honestly, that probably was the last time that we saw the Philadelphia Eagles playing at their best because the following week in week 15 is when Jalen Hurts got injured. And I'll get to that here in a bit. But these two teams faced off against each other in week 18. The Eagles beat the Giants 22 to 16. But in that game, no Saquon Barkley for the Giants, no Daniel Jones. So the Eagles, they were fighting and they were trying to win to secure the number one seed in the NFC. They beat the Giants B team 22 to 16. So as I look at this matchup between these two teams, I look at the Giants and how the Giants have been playing. I feel like the Giants and the Eagles both are trending in opposite directions. When you look at how the Giants are currently playing, the Giants, they are fresh off a of performance against the Minnesota Vikings last week where Daniel Jones had the game of his life. In that game, Daniel Jones went 24 of 35, had over 300 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But here's where he won the game for the Giants. 17 carries, 
78 rushing yards, and he had seven plays where he ran for a first down for this Giants offense. I thought last week, Daniel Jones grew up right before our eyes. And I've been critical of Daniel Jones. Coming into this season, I made it very, very clear that I did not believe in Daniel Jones. You look at Daniel Jones in the first three years of his career. 2019, his rookie season, he, he, he goes 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Not bad. 2020, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Not good at all. 2021, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. This was this year where the Giants, they had to make a decision on whether or not Daniel Jones is going to be their franchise quarterback moving forward. And the Giants hiring Brian Dayball, I believe it saved Daniel Jones' career in New York. 15 touchdowns, five interceptions this year. He was great this year. Not great on the level of a Jalen Hurts or a Patrick Mahomes MVP level, but he was great from the standpoint of the standard that we had held for him in the first three years of his career. He had definitely ascended past that standard. I mean, he had a pretty good season this year. And this is a Giants football team that doesn't have elite pass catchers. They don't have elite pass catchers. There's no Stephon Diggs or a Jamar Chase or, you know, a, a Keenan Allen on their football team. Their best player is Saquon Barkley. But I thought last week what Daniel Jones did in the game against the Vikings and even throughout the entire regular season. Because this Daniel Jones, this is the regular season and including the playoffs. Daniel Jones this year, he has a better completion percentage than Patrick Mahomes. His five interceptions are better than Jalen Hurts and how many interceptions he threw this year. Daniel Jones' passer rating, 94, is better than Trevor Lawrence's passer rating throughout the season. And Daniel Jones' rushing yards, 786 rushing yards, this is including the regular season and the playoffs, is more than Josh Allen. I thought Daniel Jones made significant strides this year. And we can't say enough about the job that Brian Dayball has done. Brian Dayball has done a sensational job. He's the, the only rookie head coach who made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. And he's the reason why Daniel Jones has made strides this year. Brian Dayball has done a great, great job. And I see now this year, Daniel Jones, he's more decisive with the football. In previous years, under his old regime, they were forcing Daniel Jones to do things out of his comfort zone. We all know in life that people are better when they're in their comfort zone. And Daniel Jones was in his comfort zone this year. And that's why I, I believe we saw the elevation in his, in his game. And we saw the confidence that he had in that playoff win over the Minnesota Vikings. Now, you look at what the Giants were able to do against the Vikings. I believe this is going to be key for them against the Eagles as well. Get off to a fast start. You know, quiet that Eagles crowd down at Lincoln Financial Field. This is going to be key. They did it against the Vikings. They got to do it against the Eagles too. In their first five scoring drives, 
This is what the Giants were able to do against the Vikings. Opening drive, five plays, 75-yard touchdown drive. Next drive, four-play, 81-yard touchdown drive. 20 plays, 85-yard field goal drive. Six-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. And then a 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. That's what's going to be key for the Giants if they want to have a chance at pulling off the upset against the Philadelphia Eagles. They got to get out to a fast start, and they have to basically attack that Eagles secondary with their receivers who have actually come on. I know I was talking about how their receivers aren't very good, but their receivers have come on lately. And Isaiah Hodges, the receiver for the Giants, he's done a great job for this Giants offense and being a reliable target for Daniel Jones. You look at what he was able to do last week against the Vikings. Hodges had eight receptions, 105 receiving yards, one touchdown. So I thought he has emerged as a number one receiver for the New York Giants offensively. But we know that the Giants' best player on their offense, and honestly their best player overall on their football team, is Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley has had a tremendous bounce-back season. This year, Saquon Barkley in 16 games played, 295 carries, 1,312 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns, averaging over four yards per carry. Saquon Barkley has done very, very well for this Giants football team. And I thought last week, even though Daniel Jones was the player of the game for the Giants, I thought Saquon Barkley did his part in helping Daniel Jones and this Giants offense. I thought Saquon did a good job. Last week against the Vikings, Saquon had 56 receiving yards. That was his best of the year. He had two rushing touchdowns. That was also his best of the year. And he had averaged 7.8 yards per touch. That was his second best of the season. So that was his first game with two rushing touchdowns since 2019. So we know Saquon Barkley is, is key for this Giants offense. Now, when I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, for some reason, I feel like the Eagles, they kind of have to hit the reset button. They got to hit the reset button because during the season, they beat the Giants. In the Meadowlands, this was week 14. And then after that, the Eagles struggled because they lost Jalen Hurts the following week against the Chicago Bears. They beat the Bears 25-20 to 20 at Soldier Field. But they lost to the Cowboys. They lost to the Saints. So, you know, this Eagles football team, they, they got to hit the restart button. And they got to kind of amp it up a bit. And the Giants, on the other hand, they've already have their engine going, and the Eagles are the team that's starting the car. They, they, they're trying to start the car up, and the Giants have already started the car and drove down the street already. So Eagles, Eagles got their work cut out for them in this game. They really, really do. And I think offensively, the Eagles are loaded. They're loaded with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, Miles Sanders in the backfield, at receiver. You got Devontae Smith. You got A.J. Brown. The offensive line is, is, is a great offensive line. 
I think that their offensive line is is arguably the best O-line in the NFL. The way that the Philadelphia Eagles are able to protect Jalen Hurts, I, I think it's something that we have to give them credit for when it comes to how they have developed their offensive line. They got Jason Kelsey at center, Landon Dickerson at left guard, right guard. You got Isaiah Simical at right tackle. You got Lane Johnson. So this this Eagles offensive line is one of the best in the NFL, and I'm, they're loaded offensively. And then defensively, you got Brandon Graham. You got Fletcher Cox up front. At linebacker, you got T.J. Edwards. You got Kaiser White. Okay, I love their secondary with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Darius Big Play Slay. So I, I love the Eagles secondary, and I believe that the Eagles secondary match up very, very well against this Giants receiving core. I really, really do. Now, again, Hodges, the receiver for the Giants, he has come on lately. But it, this is going to be an interesting matchup. And I know everyone is, they want, everyone is favoring the Eagles to win this game, but I definitely think this game is going to be much more competitive than, than people think. Now, the Giants, they don't have history on their side heading into this playoff game. The Eagles have won nine straight games at home against the Giants. Their last loss came in week eight of 2013. So that's the last time the Eagles lost at home against the Giants. So this is going to be an interesting game. It really, really is. But, you know, these two teams are very familiar with each other. It, it, I think out of all the games this weekend, this is the game that is the least intriguing. But it's still going to be a good game. It really, really is. And I wonder how healthy Jalen Hurts is with that shoulder injury. You know, how effective will Jalen Hurts be once he gets hit? This is the NFL playoffs. You're going to get hit. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So how healthy is Jalen Hurts? But I like what Brian Dayball has done leading this Giants football team. I like the elevation in Daniel Jones' overall production as the Giants quarterback. I like the way Saquon has had a bounce-back season this year. But with all that being said, their season is going to be over Saturday night. I'm rolling with the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the New York Giants and advance to the NFC Championship. I'm going Eagles 27, Giants 24. So I think it's going to be close. I picked the Giants in an upset last week against the Vikings, but this is the real test for the Giants. I think the Giants have had a very, very good season, and they overachieved this year. I had very, very low expectations for the New York Giants, and they have definitely surprised me, and Daniel Jones has surprised me as well. I think he's earned himself a new contract heading into next season, but it's going to be Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles who outlast the Giants at Lincoln Financial Field and punch their ticket to the NFC Championship game next week in Philly. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Come out the break, I'm going to preview Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. They're live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this beautiful Thursday, January the 19th. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram. These guys know sports. It is the NFL divisional playoff preview on Wise Guys Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. The question of the day is, which matchup is the most intriguing matchup of divisional playoff weekend? Which one is it? It's, it's a lot of great matchups in the NFL this week weekend. And I want to know which one do you believe is the the best. So call to the show. Give me your give me your vote. Got two more matchups I'm gonna break down. I've already given my predictions for Saturday's games. I got Chiefs 35 and Jaguars 24. And then in the NFC East matchup in Philadelphia, I got the Eagles outlasting the Giants 27-24. I definitely think it's gonna be a close one in Philly. But let's transition. To the AFC, a matchup that was inevitable, a matchup that we've been wanting to see for months. We got a chance to see it for almost half of a quarter before tragic circumstances hit. But we're going to get a chance to see it this Sunday in Buffalo. It's Joe Burrow. It's Josh Allen. It's the Bengals. It's the Bills. The Bills are favored by five and a half points. It's a 3 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The over-under for this game is 48 and a half points. So this is going to be a big-time matchup. And one of the things that you, I'm looking at in this matchup, this is the sixth playoff matchup in Super Bowl history where both teams entered on an eight-game or more winning streak. And Joe Burrow, in the playoffs, he's 4-1 and one since he's been the starting quarterback for the Bengals. And Josh Allen, in his playoff career, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions. So, before I get into the X's and O's of this matchup and breaking the matchup down, I want to talk about how there is this perception in the NFL, and this feeling like Josh Allen is better than Joe Burrow, and I think that's absolutely ridiculous. If you want to say that Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are on the same level, like myself, I'm okay with that. But I believe that there's this perception that the media has created to where they believe that Josh Allen is better than Joe Burrow, and that's simply not true. Not only that, I believe that there's this perception that the Buffalo Bills are better than the Cincinnati Bengals. And that also is not true. Last year in the playoffs, in this exact round, Josh Allen put on a sensational performance against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Josh Allen had like 329 passing yards four touchdown passes. I mean, it was a sensational performance from Josh Allen that afternoon against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he went throw for throw with Patrick Mahomes. And if it wasn't for the Bills defense, 
giving up a field goal with 13 seconds left on the clock, the Buffalo Bills would have advanced to the AFC Championship game. And But Josh Allen played great in that game. But meanwhile, the Cincinnati Bengals, the following week, they did something that Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills have never been able to do, and that's beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead in a meaningful playoff matchup for the right to go to the Super Bowl. And after the Bengals lost the Super Bowl to the L.A. Rams, all the NFL analysts that came out with their predictions for the season, and I'm looking at the predictions for the teams, and I'm looking at the quarterback rankings. The teams, when it comes to predictions, everyone had the Bills ranked over the Bengals. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the hell are the Bills ranked above the Bengals when the Bengals did something that the Bills were unable to do? The Bengals beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Not the Bills. The Bengals got to the Super Bowl. And if it wasn't for Von Miller, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals would have their first Super Bowl in franchise history. It wasn't the Bills that got to the AFC Championship game or got to the Super Bowl. So why the hell did all these NFL aficionados have the Buffalo Bills ranked higher than the Cincinnati Bengals? And it's been going on all season long. I finally called it out in the middle of the season. Like, why are y'all ranking the Bills above the Bengals? The Bengals proved in the playoffs last year, on their playoff run, that they were a better football team than the Bills were. But for whatever reason, the media wanted to give the Bills more credit than the Bengals. And there's this feel-good story about the, about the Bills. Bengals, they, the, the Bills went to four Super Bowls, lost all four of their Super Bowls. So the media wants the Bills in the Super Bowl. But even when it comes to Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, Joe Burrow went on a playoff run last year and Joe Burrow had a great performance in the postseason leading the Bengals to not only their first playoff win in over 30 years, but their first Super Bowl appearance since the 90s. Like, I believe it was like 1989, 1990 when the Bengals last got to the Super Bowl. And yet, you look at the entire season, everyone wanted to rank Josh Allen above Joe Burrow. And I'm like, Joe Burrow, last year and this year, statistically, he had a better season than Josh Allen did. When it comes to protecting the football, Joe Burrow protects the football better than Josh Allen does. Now, Josh Allen is more athletic than Joe Burrow is. Josh Allen has more wow plays than Joe Burrow has. When it comes to overall production from the quarterback position, Joe Burrow has produced better last season and this season than Josh Allen has. I'm not going to take nothing away from Josh Allen and what he's been able to do in the playoffs. You look at what Josh Allen has done in his seven playoff games that he's played. Josh Allen, he's averaged 296 
passing yards per game, 17 touchdowns, only three interceptions, 104.6 passer rating, 391 rushing yards. Josh Allen has played very, very well in the playoffs. And, but, I mean, you can look at some of those performances and say, like, I, I mean, he, he, he had some, 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 he had a stinker in there. He did. He had a stinker in there, but he's played well for the most part in the playoffs. Joe Burrow, on the other hand, in five games in the postseason so far, he averages 263 passing yards per game, six touchdowns, two interceptions. His passer rating is 97.7 with 40 rushing yards. So obviously he's not the mobile quarterback that Josh Allen is, but Burrow can hold his own. And honestly, in big key moments, I trust Burrow more than I trust Allen. I really, really do. I've seen Joe Burrow, even at the collegiate level, win big games. I remember that year when they went to the national championship game. Burrow had like five touchdowns in that game, zero interceptions. The man was sensational in that game. So, again, I just don't like the whole perception of the media. The media has portrayed the Bills to be better than the Bengals and Josh Allen to be better than Joe Burrow, and that's simply not the case. Now, again, if you want to say Joe Burrow and Josh Allen on the same level, I'm okay with that. I've been consistent with my thinking, saying I think they're on the same level. And this game, this Sunday, for me, will determine who's the better quarterback moving forward. Now, you're not going to go wrong with Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, okay? Whoever you have between those two quarterbacks as your franchise starting quarterback, you're going to be in a good position to compete for Super Bowls. Now, when I get to the X's and O's of this game, let's start off with the Bengals offensively versus the Bills defense. I believe that something that's going to hurt the Bengals in this game is their banged-up offensive line. Alex Kappa is dealing with an ankle injury. Jonah Williams is dealing with a knee injury. And Lyle Collins is already out for the season with a knee injury. So the Bengals' offensive line not having their three key starters is going to hurt the Bengals. It really is going to hurt the Bengals. Because remember last year, Joe Burrow was sacked a league high 51 times in the regular season. 51 times against the Titans. They sacked him nine times in this exact round. So not having their offensive line that they had when they started the season, that's going to hurt the Cincinnati Bengals. That's going to hurt them. The only starters that they're going to have in this game is center Ted Karras and left guard Cordell Volson. That's their only starting offensive lineman who started the season who is going to start in this game. That's going to hurt the Bengals. But the, on the flip side, the Bills, since they lost Von Miller, they haven't been very good at creating pressure on the opposing team quarterback. So that's going to be key. That's going to be key for me when the Bengals have the ball against that Bills defense. Can the Bengals protect Joey B? Do you keep Joe Mixon in to help in the pass protection? That's going to be key. Like. If the Bills basically bring blitzes and different 
things to, to try to create pressure against that Bengals offensive line. Joe Mixon and P. Ryan, the running backs for the Bengals, they're going to be called upon to step up in pass protection to help Joe Burrow get the ball down the field. You got you to gotta give Joey B some time. You got to give Joey B some time. That's, that's, that's going to be key. Now, the Bills defensively, they are allowing 21 points per game during their eight-game winning streak. So I don't believe that the Bills have this elite, great defense, but I believe that they're, 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 they're average to good, and losing Von Miller really hurt this defense. It really, really hurt this defense overall. Joe Burrow, he was sacked 41 times this season. That's the sixth most in the NFL. That's going to be key for the Buffalo Bills defensively. Can they apply pressure on Joe Burrow? They need Josh Allen to protect the football. What they also need is they need offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey to protect Josh Allen from himself. Run the football a little bit more with Singletary and Cook. That way you don't need Josh Allen to always be a hero. My mom always told me when I was coming up, when I was growing up, you got to do what you got to do so you can do what you want to do. So if you want to go out on a trip and plan trips, you got to work for it. Same with the Buffalo Bills. They want to have Josh Allen play hero ball and, and hit home runs instead of settling sometimes just for singles or doubles. That's Josh Allen's main problem. He wants to hit home runs, and sometimes you got to take the single. You got to take the double. You got to do what you got to do until you can do what you want to do. And they, they want to they wanna have Josh Allen just throw the ball all over the yard, and sometimes I think they need to slow the game down, have Josh Allen play from under center instead of being a shotgun all the time, and run the football more with Singletary and Cook. Now, we know that offensively, the Buffalo Bills, they have an elite offense. You look at what they've been able to do this year so far offensively. The Bills, they are ranked second in the NFL. They average 408 total yards per game. They average 258 passing yards per game. That's ranked seventh in the NFL. And that running game that I'm talking about, they average 140 rushing yards per game. That's ranked seventh in the NFL. So you can run the football with your dynamic running backs in Singletary and Cook, and they average 28 points per game, which is ranked second in the NFL. They got Stephon Diggs. They got Gabriel Davis. They got Dawson Knox at tight end. So this Buffalo Bills offense is loaded, similar to the Bengals offense. It's loaded. But can Josh Allen protect the football? Can he protect the football? That's what's, that's what's going to matter in this game. Now, defensively for the Bengals, I think one of the Bengals' key players is going to be Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson this year, he has 47 quarterback pressures this year. That's tied for seventh in the NFL. I think the Bengals' defense, they do a great job at keeping opposing quarterbacks in the pocket. They do a great job at that. And defensively, they are led by defensive coordinator Lou Adamaral. And defensively, they give up 
346 total yards per game. I thought last week the Baltimore Ravens, they did a great job running the football against that Bengals defense. Now, the Ravens have one of the more potent running games in the NFL. Last week, the Ravens had 155 rushing yards against the Bengals. I think that's going to be something that the Bengals are going to definitely try to fix heading into this game. But the thing is, the, the Bills don't run much anyway. So the, the Bengals really don't have to really worry about the Bills rushing attack. Now, the Bengals defensively, they are ranked 23rd against the pass. They give up 229 passing yards per game. And I've always said this, and I've been consistent with this. I believe that Eli Apple is the weakest link of that Bengals defense. He's the weak link of their defense. I don't know who they're going to match up against Stephon Diggs because I don't think Eli Apple can, can win that matchup against Stephon Diggs. I think Stephon Diggs will will put on a show if he has Eli Apple against him. So that, that's something that you got to look out for. I think that Bengals, that Bengals defensive line with DJ Reader, with Trey Hitcherson, with Sam Hubbard, they got to create some pressure on Josh Allen and force Josh Allen to turn the football over. That's, what, that's what's going to be key because I don't think their secondary can, can, can contain these receivers for the Buffalo Bills. I really, really don't. Isaiah McKen McKenzie, he's also a receiver in this offense. You still got Cole Beasley, the old veteran, who, who's going to be key for, for Josh Allen because if Josh Allen's getting pressured, he got he to gotta go to his quick read, and that's going to be Cole Beasley. That's, that's going to be key in this game. So, man, this is honestly the game of the year for me. This is the game of the year for me. It's going to be a big-time matchup between these two teams. And honestly, I, I'll be honest, I, I really it's been hard for me to, to, to pick this game. I went back and forth with my prediction for this game. When they faced off against each other in Week 17, I picked the Bills to beat the Bengals 34-31 at Paycar Stadium. Man, this is tough. This one tough. Man. I, I want to say that I want to, with the issues that the Bengals have at offensive line, I think it's going to hurt the Bengals. I really, really do. But I think the Bengals are playing with house money. I don't understand for the life of me why the Bengals are five and a half point favorites. And I'm a Packers fan. I, I, I grew up born and raised in Cincinnati. And I hear so many Bengals fans talking about, man, when are you going to ride with the hometown team? When are you going to show us some love? Guess what? I'm showing the Bengals some love this week. I believe that the media has had the perception wrong all season long. I believe that the media has given the Bills more credit for losing in the divisional round playoff game against the Chiefs than the Bengals for winning the AFC championship game against the Chiefs. I believe that the media has praised Josh Allen more than they've praised Joe Burrow. I believe that right now, Jamar Chase is slightly better than Stephon Diggs. I'm rolling with the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Buffalo Bills and advance to the AFC Championship game. I'm going Bengals 30, Bills 27. So I'm rolling with Joey B to prevail over Josh Allen 
in Buffalo. It's going to be a hell of a game. I think the Bills and Josh Allen got a little bit more to prove than the Bengals do, but I think the Bengals are, are going to be, be playing with that motivation, hearing all the media and people talking about the Bills as being the better team. And the line this week proves it. I think this would be a pick'em game. I really, really do. This should be a pick'em game between the Bills and Bengals. And then the NFL already announced the AFC Championship game between the Bills and the Chiefs will be played in Atlanta. So I know the Bengals fans, Bengals fans and the Bengals players, they already feel slighted because the Bengals feel like they would have beaten the Bills week 17 if that game would have continued or if they would have played again. The Bengals feel like they got slighted. They really feel like they got slighted because they feel like this game should be a coin flip, ga- flip game. This game shouldn't be played in Buffalo. It shouldn't be played in Buffalo. It should be a coin flip game because that game, whoever won that game, would have hosted this round's playoff matchup. But because the game wasn't played and it was incomplete, the Bills already had a one-game lead over the Bengals, and ultimately they won the game without even playing the game because this was the game where you wanted the home field advantage for. So Bengals fans and their players feel slighted by the NFL Friday handled the circumstances after DeMar Hamlin's tragic situation. And 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 another thing too, I'm I'm ex- I, I hope that we get a chance to see DeMar Hamlin. I am so thankful and grateful and happy that DeMar Hamlin is back healthy. He's been reported that he's been inside of the Bills facility. So so I'm excited for this matchup. If you can't tell already, I'm excited for it. But I'm rolling with the Bengals to beat the Bills 30 to 27. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys no sports. Come at the break. I'm going to preview the Cowboys versus the 49ers in San Francisco. I'll be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore way. Toss on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys know sports. Let's transition to the final matchup on divisional playoff weekend in the NFL. It's the Cowboys. It's the 49ers. It's Dak Prescott. It's Brock Purdy. The 49ers are favored by three and a half points. It's a 6.30 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The over-under for this game is 45 and a half points. So we got Mike McCarthy versus Kyle Shanahan. Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. He has a lot of history with Kyle Shanahan. When the Falcons went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots back in 2016, Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, and Dan Quinn was the head coach. So these two teams have a lot of ties to one another. They've had a lot of playoff battles dating back to their matchups in the 90s. I remember the 
the Cowboys with Troy Aikman playing the 49ers with Steve Young. We go all the way back to those matchups between these two teams. And you know someone who, I'm no, who I know is looking forward to this game? And I, I'm not sure if he's going to pick a side. It's Deion Primetime Sanders. He's played with both of these franchises. So I, I know he's looking forward to seeing this matchup between these two teams. I, I know he's looking forward to it. These, these two are the best teams that we have in the NFC this year. And I want to start off with the Cowboys first and talk about Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott for the season, in the regular season, 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 2,860 passing yards. He completed 66% of his passes. I believe last week against the Buccaneers, Dak Prescott was sensational. I mean, what he was able to do against that Buccaneers football team, it was impressive. It was impressive. And I thought last week, Dak Prescott answered the bill. He answered the call because coming into the matchup against the Buccaneers, everyone was talking about how the Cowboys are on upset alert. I mean, McCarthy might not keep his job. Tom Brady is more trustworthy in a playoff game than Dak Prescott is. I heard all that talk last week before the Buccaneers matchup on Monday Night Football, and all Dak Prescott did was go out there and put on a sensational performance. Last week, this was Dak Prescott. In his first two drives, he was 0 of 3 passing, 0 passing yards, 0 total touchdown passing. The rest of the game, Prescott went 25 of 30, 305 passing yards, five total touchdowns. He became the fourth quarterback in NFL postseason history to have 300 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. He joined some elite company with the likes of Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, and Peyton Manning. That's how great Dak Prescott's performance was Monday night for the Cowboys. So my expectations for Dak as, I, as they go into this game, he's going up against the best defense in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the 49ers, they are led by defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. Defensively, they got Fred Warner at linebacker. Up front, they got Arik Armstead. They got Nick Bosa. Okay, in their secondary, they got Tredarius Ward. So this 49ers defense is the best defense in the NFL. Defensively, the 49ers, they give up 377 total yards per game. That's ranked eighth in the NFL. You can't even run against the 49ers either. They give up 139 rushing yards per game. That's ranked eighth in the NFL. They only give up 27 points per game, which is ranked sixth in the NFL. So the 49ers defense is elite. They are elite, and they are the best defensive unit by far in the NFL. By far. It's not even close. And they've allowed the fewest points per game in the regular season. So I feel like for Dak Prescott, we can't move the goalposts. Like, 
him beating the Buccaneers was a great accomplishment, but if he can pull this off and beat the 49ers, I believe we got to start looking at Dak Prescott in a different perception heading into next season. Because being the Buccaneers, while it was impressive and how he was able to do that, it's the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers were 8-9 heading into the playoffs. The Buccaneers only made the playoffs because they were in the pathetic NFC South. That Buccaneers defense hasn't been the same this year compared to what it has been in previous years. So I can only give Dak Prescott so much credit. Again, you got to give him credit for how he played and performed, considering the circumstance. This is the big test for Dak Prescott. This is it. Going up against the 49ers, the expectations that, 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 that the 49ers have as a football team, because now the 49ers, they have the better coach. The 49ers, they have the better defensive football team. And offensively, I believe Brock Purdy is working with a little bit more than Dak Prescott is. But this is the round of the playoffs where the good separate from the great. And we are going to get a chance to see if Dak can be great in a playoff game for the Cowboys. And I should have said great separate from the good because him winning a wild card matchup against the Buccaneers, he played well, but they were expected to beat the Buccaneers, even though people had the Cowboys on upset alert. This game, they're not expected to win. They're not, they are not expected to win. If Dak Prescott could figure out a way to beat the 49ers and get the Cowboys to their first NFC championship game since 1994, I believe Dak Prescott and his stock will increase as we head into next season. No matter what happens in the next round, no matter what happens in the next round in the NFC Championship game, if Dak Prescott beats the 49ers, I believe Dak Prescott will, will, will definitely elevate his stock. And he won't no longer be in that Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins bubble. We got to start talking about Dak Prescott being in that Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence bubble, for sure. Now, some people already feel like Dak Prescott is better than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, depending on who you ask. I believe Herbert and Lawrence upside is better than Pre Prescott's is. Now, offensively, for the Cowboys, they got to figure out a way to spread this 49ers defense out. I, I think they got to definitely spread the, the field and don't be in eye formation and bunch formation. I think they need to spread the field and try to get the football to CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is going to be key for this Cowboys offense because I think he's a security blanket for Dak. Last week, Schultz had seven receptions, 95 receiving yards, two touchdowns for the Cowboys. So I believe that Schultz is going to be a key X factor for this Cowboys offense. Keep, keep an eye out for Schultz. Now, the 49ers, more than likely, they're going to match up Tredavious Ward against CeeDee Lamb. Now, Tredavious Ward allowed seven receptions, 105 receiving yards, and a touchdown as the nearest defender last week against the Seahawks. Now, most of those plays came against DK Metcalf. Now, we know Metcalf is one of the best receivers in the NFL, 
And CeeDee Lamb this year, this was his opportunity to, to prove that he is a number one receiver. And this year, CeeDee Lamb, he was pretty good in this Cowboys offense. He had 107 receptions, 1,359 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. So he was the reliable number one option in this receiving core for the Cowboys. He was the one receiver that Dak Prescott trusted all season long. But even though the 49ers are great against the run, you still got to run the football a little bit. You got to run the football a little bit with Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. But the way the Cowboys are going to win this game, it won't be through the running game. It will not be through the running game. It's going to be on the arm of Dak Prescott. He can't turn the football over in this game for them to have a chance. If Dak Prescott turns the football over in this game, the Cowboys will get blew out of Levi Stadium. Cannot happen. Now, when you switch gears on the other side, 49ers offense versus the Cowboys defense. I got to say, Brock Purdy has been great for the 49ers. And I remember coming into the season, remember talks in the 49ers organization and Everyone was talking about who should the 49ers start? Should it be Jimmy G? Should it be Trey Lance? They decided to go with Trey Lance. And Trey Lance had a season-ending injury in week two. And Jimmy Garoppolo took over. And Jimmy G did a pretty good job with the, with the 49ers. And he, he was a stabilizer in this offense. That's what Jimmy G is. He's, he's the stable quarterback that you can rely on. But as crazy as it sounds, I believe Brock Purdy is the best option at quarterback for the 49ers. We were talking about Lance and Garoppolo, but Mr. Irrelevant has become relevant to the 49ers' Super Bowl hopes, and he has played well. We've been talking about all year, like, okay, when is Brock Purdy going to have a bad game? When is he going to struggle? He's, we, got, we got all these moments, and Brock Purdy has stepped up in a big way. Regular season, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,374 passing yards, completing 67% of his passes. He was good in the regular season. He was good. And then we talked about, okay, it's his first playoff game. What is he going to do against Pete Carroll? He's the, he, he's the number two seed. They're the favorites in this game. What is Purdy going to do when the pressure is high? Well, Brock Purdy went out there last week, 18 of 30, 332 passing yards, three touchdowns with a quarterback rating of 131.5. So we got to stop questioning Brock Purdy. We, we, we got to give him his credit. And last week he became the first rookie in NFL history with a three-passing touchdown game and a rushing touchdown in a playoff game. He's the fourth player in 49ers history with three passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown in a playoff game. So, I, I mean, Brock Purdy is, is, is doing some great things right now as the quarterback of the 49ers. He really, really is. And we know offensively, the 49ers, they got Christian McCaffrey. They got Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk. They got George Kittle at tight end. 
And their offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. I'm looking forward to that offensive line and their matchup against Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence of the Cowboys defense. Because the, the Cowboys defensively, they are led by defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Defensively, the Cowboys, they're, they are good against the pass, but you can run against that Cowboys defense. Defensively, the Cowboys, they give up 129 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 22nd in the NFL. But it's kind of hard to pass against that Cowboys defense. They, they give up 201 passing yards per game, which is ranked ninth in the NFL. And we know they can, they can create pressure with Micah Parsons and with DeMarcus Lawrence. And I think that's going to be key for this that 49ers team. Protect Brock Purdy. That way, they can expose them in the passing game. But it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be, it's going to be a great matchup. And I think what Kyle Shanahan needs to do is he needs to take a book and a page out of Nick Sirianni's book. When the Eagles beat the Cowboys in their matchup earlier in the season at Lincoln Financial Field, Nick Sirianni and that Eagles offense, they ran right at Micah Parsons. Like, they ran a football at him. And I think that's what the 49ers offensively they need to do. Run at Micah Parsons. Have him start thinking. Because I feel like when you have Micah Parsons just in a position where he's just rushing after the passer, that's when he's at his best. That's when he's at his best. So I'm interested to see also who the Cowboys put Trayvon Diggs on. Will they have him on Debo? Will they have him on Brandon Ayuk? That's going to be key because both Brandon Ayuk and Debo can, can produce in a passing game for the 49ers. You look at what they've been able to do this year so far this season. Brandon Ayuk this year, he has... 78 receptions, 1,015 receiving yards, eight touchdowns. Debo Samuel, he would have had over 1,000 yards this year if he didn't have his injury because he only played in 13 games. 56 receptions, 632 receiving yards, two touchdowns. So this is going to be a great matchup between two great teams. I believe whichever team wins this game is going to the Super Bowl. The Dallas Cowboys, they had a great, great season this year. And the Cowboys, they won their wild card matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they are in a position to punch their ticket to the NFC Championship game for the first time since the 90s. But I don't think it's going to happen. I'm rolling with Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers to beat the Cowboys at Levi Stadium. I'm going 49ers, 31, Cowboys, 24. I think the 49ers get it done, and Brock Purdy makes one more play than Dak Prescott. But that's what I got. 49ers, 41, Cowboys, 24. So it's going to be a great, great weekend. This weekend in the NFL, this is the best. Weekend of the NFL is so many great matchups, man. We're going to kick it off on Saturday with Trevor Lawrence versus Patrick Mahomes. That matchup is going to be great. And then Saturday night in primetime, NFC East battle, Daniel Jones versus Jalen Hurts, Brian Dayball versus Nick Sirianni. Great matchup between two 
young coaches in the NFL. And then Sunday, Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen. It's the Bengals. It's the Bills at 3 o'clock on CBS. So, so a big-time matchup in the AFC there as well. And then 6.30, the matchup I just discussed. Cowboys, 49ers at Levi Stadium. Mike McCarthy versus Kyle Shanahan. Dak Prescott versus Brock Purdy. Doesn't get much better than that, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a great wow. Division around playoff weekend. Everybody enjoy your weekend. I'll be back next week. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.